Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And of course, we're back to talk about more Prodigal Son with episodes four through six of season two. And oh boy. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is off to the races this year. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something I always talk about is, um, and this is something that like can hurt shows in their second season, because a lot of times people will make a TV show and they'll have the first season plotted out, right? Yeah. And they'll know exactly what the first season is, and they won't really have a good sense of the second season, and then they'll kind of have to make it up as they're going along in the second season, and it'll be a disaster in the second season will, you know, kill a show. It happens to a lot of shows a lot of the time. One of the most famous examples was a terrible TV show, Heroes, which had this dynamic, you know, really fast moving, kind of impressive first season. And then they had no idea where to go from there. So the second season was just the first season again, wasted everybody's time, kind of killed the show, right? It happens yeah. more than you want it to. And what I find interesting about this show is like, they ended the first season on huge reveals, on massively consequential changes to the status quo, and they haven't backtracked from that at all. Like, everything that happened at the end of that first season is getting followed up on and paid off here in the second season. And, wow. <laughs> oh my god, wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, so yes well particularly like you i did wonder right yeah. okay are these guys gonna pull this off the second season you know you have some suspicions that We've yeah they've been might. there so many times yeah where they screw know. up where they again yeah. like i said try and undo the major stuff they did at the end of last season right oh and, there's there's a number of them like oh God. and i don't know what the reasons are like why like some of them I do. Like remember that show about the CIA? Oh god, yeah, the agency. Perfect example. They're like, that oh, let's just undo. A. Yeah. Everything <laughs> we did in the first season. Everything we did in the first season about how essentially uh, it was a show about how kind of bad the CIA was. <laughs> how corrupt and how awful the CIA was. And they had them doing necessary things, but fundamentally it was incredibly suspicious of the CIA as an institution. And oh, the sure. second season would have had to really dig in on that. And so they just erased all of their progress from the first season and just oh, like, was, no, CIA yeah. is fine. They're heroes. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah, I still remember them making that plate. I don't know why that is the thing <laughs> that stuck in my mind, but they had to make a fake plate that looked exactly like this original yeah a special plate but it of course was going to blow somebody up <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> you know yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was weird all right mm -hmm. uh but anyway let's get into it starting with the first of the three episodes uh episode four take your father to work day uh which huh. is a wonderful episode and I think it says something about how great these three episodes are, that it is the least good of the three episodes we see this week. <laughs> Look, I watched this episode right at the beginning, right? Yeah. And I'm just going, I'm just going, oh my Lord. It's, it's the humor part of this that really, yeah. without, it doesn't turn it into a comedy. Never. Never, right? And... You you just sit there and go, 
how do they do it? How It is a balancing act. And that's what's so yeah. impressive about the show. It is this amazing balancing act that they do to keep the comedy working, even when the show is at its bleakest. At like, its bleakest. like, yeah. And, you know, and it is because the surgeon is, well, I said this already before. It yeah. is the fact that the surgeon is locked up. Yeah. It wouldn't be so funny if he wasn't locked no. up. No, if he's not locked up, you're suddenly watching Hannibal and it's funny, but it's so bleak that it's hard to watch. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. So it opens up, right? <laughs> In therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then, on, and then the one guy, of course, that's that's the guy that... The man that he cured with electroconvulsive therapy. Yeah. Is going to be getting out of, is actually going to be sprung. He's yeah. not going to be in the asylum anymore. He's getting out. And then one scene later, he gets thrown off a roof. Yep. As, as Martin, as, as, as Martin is trying to throw a basketball into yes, a I know. As he's having his, you know, his little one hour exercise, a day, one hour a day of exercise as was negotiated. Mm -hmm. He's trying to relax and then boom, he gets thrown off a roof. Oh, and so where the question is, who is in a position to kill somebody in an asylum? And the answer is, and really the answer is, especially since it's thrown off the roof, well, not the roof, a yeah. window on the top floor. But yeah. uh, what it comes down to is the only person in a position to kill somebody in an asylum is somebody who works there. Yeah. Like, the patients are not in a position to do that. I mean, obviously, his first, um, <laughs> Malcolm's first thought is, obviously, my father's responsible. Turns out he For wasn't once, really. No, not so much. I not mean, a so little, much. Uh, but we'll get there. Uh, yes. So we do the the wonderful, and it's I just love take your father to work day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's great because they're ha they're solving a crime in the asylum. So of course his dad gets to help him out in every detail of the investigation, which is super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just super fun to watch him helping out. <laughs> like, uh, how much, again, how much Martin enjoys working with his son. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, that's, that's the part you love. You love to watch. It's like the glee that he plays, right? That, uh, that Michael Sheen plays with it. Just how much fun he's having. Just getting to hang out with his son and not be isolated anymore like being a part of his life which of course we know he's wanted for a while well, yeah, it's kind of always. key to him as a character yeah that he and needs yeah. this attention and he needs this validation from his son yeah and it's it's well the thing is is where do you go like that that's the next yeah therapy group scene is also brilliant oh so well done oh my god because he goes in there and all of the guys know that he's Martin's son. They know he's the surgeon's son. And because he's in therapy with his dad, he finally has the chance to just lay into his father. Yeah. And he does. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, it's, it really is. It's a safe space for him to finally let some of this stuff out. Yeah, like, because he's cooked up this scheme. You have to tell people, of course, he's cooked up this scheme yeah, with his absolutely. father, technically. Yeah. I mean, technically, they don't know he's a surgeon's son when he sits down. He's an FBI profiler, and then they cue in right away. Exactly. That, oh, yeah, this is the son you're talking about, about all, the, all time. the time. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it was, it, and that's the fun part. 
it starts out as a plan to get uh yes. it, it starts out as a plan in order right to get them to open up but as we learn no he was dealing with some real stuff oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really got these feelings about his father, which, of course, he does. It would be insane if he didn't have these strong negative feelings about his father. Uh, but he's never been able, like, he's almost never been able to, like, comfortably just let it out. And so it's great to actually see therapy working for the two of them. <laughs> well, no, and the thing is, is that what you really realize yeah. in this is, I don't know if it's in this episode, but I suspect it probably is. That Malcolm really is, I mean, yeah, Martin, it really is pissed off oh, that yeah. his son turned him in. Oh, clearly. And that is, that is as real as anything mm -hmm. as well. Right. Um, yeah. And, and of course that therapy session leads them to the clue that gets them to find the killer. Yeah. Right. Because um, the, and he does a wonderful process of elimination, which is yeah. that the guy who died is from Iowa. Why on earth does he want lobster the day he gets out? It's a really yeah. good question. So who feels strongly enough to murder someone? Someone who's going to miss them. And their first thought is, okay, maybe the doctor who's uh, who's afraid that uh, he's not going to get credit, that the guy's going to talk about how he was shocked into sanity by Dr. Whitley, right? And so mm -hmm. the guy's not going to get credit for curing him the way he wants the credit. I mean, that's a possibility, uh, but it's not likely at all. No. No, that one's not likely at all. And so they're like, okay, who feels strongly? And this is the one part of the episode that I thought was really questionable. Like, the fact that it's, like, just a known quantity that he had a somewhat romantic, that one of the patients had a somewhat romantic relationship with another patient. And, and also that that same patient that had a somewhat romantic relationship with a victim also had seduced a guard and that's just something people know and haven't done anything about like well you know what it asylum. is well yeah but it's so a closed environment okay? okay and that that's i mean this the thing is those environments i don't know if you ever saw the movie um and now i can't remember its name it came out at about the same time as warren um what? Oh, and it starred Jack Nicholson. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, no. It didn't star Jack Nicholson. It starred Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. Okay. And he works, he's working in an insane asylum. I've definitely not seen this movie. Okay. And it's in black and white, I think. Okay. Um, I will have to try and track that down at this. It, it doesn't matter, except that it shows you too how once you start working there because remember the psychiatrist we've seen him before he's the same yeah. psychiatrist all the time so this is i like that continuity oh absolutely um but as he says at what when he's being you know um interrogated mm -hmm. he said it's like being he said they're not the only ones that are prisoners here yeah we're trapped too we're trapped as well this is it may be your job but you're trapped yeah in in this and it's very hard to get people to work as prison guards for example yes. um but in an insane asylum and where you're i mean this is the criminally insane these are not yeah which which makes me wonder about jerry getting out but that's another story um but um, yeah because i mean that and that is why there's a little contrivance here because the whole point of jerry getting cured was that he's not insane anymore so he'll actually have to 
go to trial. trial. But I mean, the episode is treating it like he was just there because of, you know, the threat of self-harm and his inability to communicate and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, I feel like he must have committed a crime. Although it's possible not... that the, the crime that he committed was so clearly, like, the act of someone who was just absolutely insane and a product of his madness yeah. that he would be getting out. And that's why yeah. he was there for another couple of months. The show's not really, uh, the episode's not really clear about that. No, no. And I mean, it. I mean, that was, uh, and that's just a quibble. Yeah. Um, right. But all of these people turn right into, mm-hmm. you know, one way or another, except maybe Melk, maybe Martin's guard. I don't yeah. know. He seems to be pretty level headed, but he only has one job to do is to watch Martin Yeah, is to watch Martin and Martin is pretty much safe Yeah, because he's chained up yeah, all, <laughs> basically the time. all the time. So. Okay, that's a really good point you're making. That it's like the that there could be psych like sympathetic psychoses developing. Yeah, because you're ha- you're trapped with all of these insane. And these are most of the, the people, and you're working, and sometimes you're working overtime. I would suspect mm-hmm. everything is always locked up all the time. You go home, you go to sleep, you have a relationship with a few people. Yeah, and then you go back. You're again back to this. Yeah, with okay, with all of these people who are kind of nuts. So you start to yeah develop a bit of a yeah an affinity for them. Well, it, it is too. How do you talk? Talk here. Here's the strange part, right? It's that they also, to some extent, are. Um, it's hard to talk about their job when they leave it. Yeah, of course, because you're around the criminally insane every day. Absolutely. Not only that, but there's this. But you see, the thing is, is that. They're prisoners, right? In a mm-hmm. regular prison. Well, pretty much everybody knows what they've done. Yeah. Here, it's a little different. And and you have people who, as long as they are in a in enclosed environment, are seem pretty normal most of the time. Yeah. And that was the case with Jerry's prison girlfriend, Rhonda. Yeah, exactly. Right? Basically, but... she's most of the time, she's fine. Mm-hmm. Sort of. But the moment that she's threatened with losing a thing that she thinks is hers, she turns violent. She turns violent. And and she gets the guard to kill Jerry and then kills the guard. Yeah. And she only blames Martin because Martin, of course, is the one that cured Jerry. Yeah. Was going to lead to lead to Jerry leaving. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I mean, I'm not saying it's structured poorly. I'm just saying it's it, it reads as weird. The way people are so casual about this relationship that the, like, well, yeah, okay, no, I don't. Well, it doesn't. I mean, you're someone who knows people, people in this field. I know, I know, I know. Okay, people. and they and they get together. You know, like not everybody is like Malcolm. No, that's some right. of them are able to get together and they do and they do play sort of games and they have their therapy sessions and, as you say, some of the women are making money by cleaning. Yeah. So they're walking around and so they get to meet other people, other right? People. Yep. And they do have a prison library. Not that too many people use it, but they do have a prison library. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are chances for these people to interact with one another. Oh, absolutely. Under a limited structure. But yeah. that, and so, and people gossip and people talk. Yeah. You know, and um, so. My only thought was that I feel like you should be a little more concerned given her psychoses. 
Well, yeah, but the thing is, is when you're living with people who are like that all the time, they become normal. Yeah, it's true. Like, you normalize them. You yeah. forget. It's like on one level, you know that she's supposedly got this problem. But if day in, day out, you're spending time with this woman and she's never demonstrating that kind of violence because she's never put in that position. Well, you're right. You would forget. I could I do believe that. You're totally. OK. Right. You know, so this is this is is kind of uh, I mean, it was a fun. It was it, oh, was, it was a, a very fun episode. fun episode at the same time, you know, and it and all the work in the, inside the prison right yeah. is um yeah i i i was i i thought what a bang up oh yeah take your father to work day and in fact of course at the beginning uh when adresa right <laughs> finds out that this is dr dr whitley she starts to wants to start a conversation with him about papers they've read. And I oh, just, reading the Lancet. I know. Oh. I know. I just cracked. She's up. so wonderful. Like week in, week out, she is. You know, just such a wonderful presence on this show. Yeah, just like one of one of the real one of the real truly bright spots in the cast is our beloved coroner. She's just <laughs> so like can always be counted on for just a great comedy line every week and at the same time to like have a lot going on as a person like that's the thing like because it all comes from a real place she's not just wacky for the sake of being wacky so no I no really no like it's what just they've done with that character. it is part yeah. of who she is exactly. she's a forensic pathologist as well mm-hmm. you know in the and the corner and so yeah and I, but i just thought that and and you just how well they get along is so perfect well because and again it's because the dead people thing and uh as she has made it perfectly clear to us she doesn't like working with real people no just doesn't want to do it no can't handle it can't handle the the stress of being wrong yep if she makes a mistake with a real person you can't make a mistake someone might yeah like with a real person some uh if you make a mistake somebody dies but here you know you can always fix your mistakes later and that's a Mm -hmm. much safer environment for her to be in yeah, they're already yeah. dead. They're already oh. dead. Yeah, and then oh. and then oh yeah, and then you get the the little part with um Oh yes. Um the We have to talk. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll we'll talk about the other part of the episode because it leads directly into the next episode, which is uh we find out about the carpet. We find out about the missing carpet. Yeah. Yeah, uh so Jessica is replacing the carpet and finds it really unbelievable that they spilled an entire bottle of wine on a carpet and then without like waiting for her seeing if it could be cleaned just immediately packed it away and threw it out yeah she she doesn't understandably she is understandably suspicious about that cover story yeah because it's come on you know come on that's the that was the weakest link in that story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like right? getting rid of the carpet. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the blood carpet for yeah. just for a bottle of wine. And as uh, as she points out, it's kind of weird that you would remember the exact vintage of the wine you spilled. Well, and the thing is, yeah, that's later on. But yeah, yeah. Um, but what happens is, is of course, is she this where? Oh yeah, no, she goes. She calls sees the new. No, yeah. no. Ainsley sees the new carpet, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Ainsley drops out. in yeah. and she sees that and then starts to have flashbacks 
to what and happened. that's yes that's when she tells her the same story about the exact vintage of wine right exactly and that's why she's suspicious of, uh, about malcolm suddenly because it's like wait this this is obviously a cover store what really happened she calls malcolm malcolm covers for his kids obviously yeah. uh because anything to make it so the kids are confiding <laughs> in him instead of confiding in their mother is a big win for martin yeah. So yeah, it's it's really good. Uh but yeah, like Wait, no, that but again, you're you're putting it ahead, right? I am, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because what happens, I just want to say in this episode, shout out to her her interior de- decorator. Yes. Oh, such a fun little cat. Like fun I love this. interior decorator. I I mean, yeah. I just the little they, character moments they find on the show are they always never, so good. Yeah, and they never ever I mean, it isn't even like he's all that important or anything. Nope. But they just, they take their time to make sure that even that character is written well and believable. Well, no, and that's one of the things I love about the show is that they never, they never, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Skimp, even on these minor little character scenes. Yeah. And that's great. And so Jessica forces Malcolm to admit that Ainsley killed. Yes. Ainsley killed him and and tells her never to tell Ainsley and you yeah. can see that that this like it was the wrong decision for Malcolm to make from the beginning. Yeah. Uh like I mean I always thought it was. Well, and this is the interesting thing is my theory that he drugged her is turning out to not be accurate. She literally no. did just block it out. She blacked out. Yeah, she blacked out and we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to the second episode which is bad manners, um, which is a perfect, like, just a perfect example of the show, again, using the plot of the episode to comment on what's going on in their lives. Oh, yeah. This one is just... Because the entire, literally, like, okay, so somebody is killing these uh, women who went to a finishing school, right? Uh, That, of course, Ainsley had also been sent to. You know, just a place to learn manners and dignity and how to be a part of society. And so it is literally an episode about someone murdering people who don't fit into what high society's idea of what a woman is now, supposed now, to now, be. Now, wait a, wait a minute. It's more involved than that. Well, it's course. all of these girls went to this finishing school yeah. and they've turned bad. I know. But that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. that, And of course, the Ainsley thing, because she went there, you know, she's going to be a target at some point. But fundamentally, it's an episode about the idea that Jessica had for what her daughter's life was going to be. Yes. And how she has completely not done that and how now death is surrounding her. Right. And I think that's, again, it's a great example of them using the murder of the week to comment on the characters' relationships, except this is the first time that the relationship being commented on isn't Malcolm's. Yes. It's Ainsley's. Yeah. Like, this week is all about Ainsley and her mother and what her mother wants Ainsley to be, and Ainsley, like, pulling away from her mother and her mother's world. I mean, for the love of God, they even have literally a scene of hide-and-seek where the where Jessica can't find Ainsley if you wanted the, like if you didn't already think the theme was obvious enough. Oh yeah, when she's yes, but that was also that yeah. was also more it was a more important scene. Oh no, that's a very important scene. We'll get to that's explain a critical what that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a critical that scene, scene in a second. But who 
boy. So yes, yeah. uh, women are being murdered. They are being drugged or throw hypnol, and then they are being um, what is it? Suffocated by a machine. Yes. It's very yeah. creepy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's very creepy. It's very awful. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the plot this week. It's very good. And right away, like, I don't know why, like, because they've got this unbelievably creepy doll maker, right? Yes. Uh, right? This unbelievably creepy doll maker. But it's like, you really want to say, like, you should have as as early as possible, like, from what we know about profiling, from what we know about how these people behave in these situations, obviously the killer has to be a woman. Like, a woman, women are being killed with no violence against them whatsoever in literally right. the the nicest possible way. And they try to create a red herring suspect who you'd believe that of because he's a doll maker. So he's turning women into dolls. But it's like there's obviously a sexual component with his obsessions. Yeah. And so for these women to be completely unharmed in every conceivable way and killed in the least violent way imaginable. It obviously can't be him. Okay. Well, no. Once, no, because that that Malcolm just goes, yeah, no, no, it's yeah. not him. I oh, mean, yeah. in, in fact, he's 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 um, managing to um, subsume his yes. his problems, right, mm-hmm. by making Completely. these dolls, and he by has this dolls. first yeah. doll. But I think at the very very beginning. Um, I'm not sure that that's necessarily as, as clear, clear. No. even though there isn't, because you could have, you know, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not as hard on that. Oh, it's not a kind big of mistake. problem at all. And it shifts immediately that this man didn't do it. It doesn't necessarily ever shift to it being a woman, except when Malcolm sees the doll. Yeah. in the hallway and then that's when he starts to wonder exactly but i'm just saying right. that as someone who studies these cases and you'd think the writers uh like the characters wouldn't the writers should someone being killed with that tiny an amount of violence really does feel like a woman is doing it like to, like to murder someone without le- not only without leaving a mark but to murder someone with no amount of obvious hate or violence being yeah, visited well, I upon think... the woman it's probably another woman doing it. Well, the thing is, though, okay, and here's the thing, okay? Yeah. When they gave the first profile, mm-hmm. um, they were all thinking of this, this woman, they were thinking in terms of it being a bridal thing. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Okay, they and it wasn't, the first uh, it wasn't until Ainsley says to Malcolm, Brides don't laughs, wear don't wear elbow length gloves debutantes do debutantes do and then malcolm starts to already shift his thinking and that's why and so he gets sent to off to windsor academy because nobody wants to go there (laughs) and it's his society anyway every nobody wants to go into into that crappy world nope you know it may have lots of money but it's a crappy world as as we're finding out yeah, oh yeah. No, but it's this this it's this awful world. It's oppressive. Yeah. Right? It's horrible. And there's a there's a wonderful joke that's the truest thing Malcolm said, which is this the head of the school says that like uh manners are what created like uh the British Empire, having good manners. <laughs> and he's like, Well, the colonialism helped. 
<laughs> stealing all the money from three quarters of the world probably might have been more important than the good manners. <laughs> no, I I Such noted a funny that funny line. Yeah, Such well, a funny the, the line. Col- so colonialism true. might have helped, you know. Oh, absolutely. Colonialism there, you know. Yeah, yeah, it kind of kind of factored in a little. You know, you know, they went in with the military af- you know, and then afterwards. But yeah, and then this episode like is fundamentally about making us understand, putting us in a place where we understand that there's something really wrong with Ainsley. Yeah. Oh my. Ooh. And does it do it well in terms of creating context, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. Okay. Uh and what what fascinated me right is so you've got this scene, this terrifying scene where Ainsley finds a body cuz she starts calling up all anybody she knows who went to the school, right? And she and so she finds and a body and her first instinct is, great, I'm the first person on scene. I can use this as a promo for my new show. <laughs> yeah, and the creepy oh. thing is she is at Malcolm's desk. We haven't talked about that. Oh, yeah. No, we'll get there. Uh, you know, but, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, yeah. No, she turns into a promo. And not only that, we find out, mm-hmm. right, that she, that she has gone through the last phone calls. Yep. Of this girl. To get a lead. But that she doesn't immediately share with the cops because she wants an exclusive. Yeah. And Malcolm is right. She's treating it like it was a game. And and she says that. Well, isn't it? It isn't a game because it goes back like we're brother and sister. Everything is a game and a competition with us. We're like, Jesus, Ainsley. Whoa. Oh, that's insane. But that's the thing. She's disassociating from... The human impact of all of this stuff, the exact same way she did when her boyfriend got sliced open. Yep. She disassociates from the human tragedy and just like, okay, well, how can I use this for my career? This is a thing that happened. How can I turn this thing that happened into a win for me? And then she gets her wish to go talk to her daddy. Oh, God. And so, I mean, this really, because we've been talking since the season ender about like, what what happened with Ainsley? Like what what happened in her youth that we don't know about that causes this? And this episode in Hide and Seek, we're like, wait a minute. So Ainsley, as a three, four, five year old, really enjoyed like she she thought to hid inside a clock and yeah. stayed hidden in there while everyone was screaming around the house looking for her, enjoying that like no one knew where she was, and, and that she she. And that, I mean, that was the whole thing. At the end, she says, but she won. Yeah, exactly. She won the game and that's what matters. It took the longest to find her. So she won. But my thing points out, there was a serial killer living in the same house with her. And she apparently had a, a thing for going into weird places and searching and hiding in strange places. So what did she see when she was a kid? Well, I don't even know if it's what did she see. It's, yeah. I mean, it, that's Maybe. part of it. Well, like, okay. what if she was hiding in her father's secret room when she was three years old and he never knew she was in there when something happened in that secret room? Yeah, well, that's that's part. You see, here's here's this thing. Because what this episode, and that's funny because you're going there and I hadn't thought to go there. Yeah. Um, what you've got here, right, um, is that Ainsley 
is 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 that you're looking at this and you're going, okay, this show says serial killers are made, not, not born. Born. That is the thing. And we do not have to even deal with 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 those other things that we've already talked about. Of course. Blah blah blah. We don't have to make. That's what this show is saying. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you look at Ainsley and that's the other important thing about her being this young. She's probably, she looks about four or five, right? Yeah. So it had to be pretty. This is pretty close to the time yeah. when Martin goes away. Yeah. When Martin goes away, but she, right. She, um, Oh, what was that? Um, she already, yeah. I can't remember. Okay, I'm I'm sitting here saying, okay, but she's already got that that psychotic look in her face. Yeah, they're having the child actor, right, do that creepy look. And yeah. and it's not it's like that scene is posited as being just someone's memory. That's being shown to us as something that happened. Yeah, no, it's being shown to us as Jessica and Martin's memory. Exactly. Because Jessica's the one that's remembering this, mm-hmm. this as she's in her life. as trying yeah. to, because she goes to talk to Malcolm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mar- my, Martin, yes. Martin about all of this, yes. and you know, uh, so and but she remembers that, and she's yeah. just like, oh, there was already something wrong with her then. Yes, and we're gonna fight, and and the show had damn weather, well better explain to us what caused that. Oh, well, yeah, well, we still don't have a full, full, full readout on what caused Malcolm to yes, become exactly. yeah. the way he is <laughs> and what it's happened true. to him in his childhood. No, yeah. this is going to now, if they don't get a third season, I'm sure they're going to that they'll wrap it up by the end because this show wouldn't do that to us. Hopefully. But yeah, um, my so- point is you got the you got a little girl, right, who likes playing hide and seek who's really good at hiding and being perfectly silent, and you got a serial killer's workroom in the basement. I'm yeah. saying it wouldn't shock no. me if those two came around. To, oh, uh, no. I don't even... I don't. I, it doesn't shock me either. Yeah, that would not surprise me in the least. No, no, no. I, I think it's even more sinister than that. I don't yeah, think that it's maybe an accident. Was, okay. You, I I don't mean, your think... theory is that Malcolm was full on into the idea of making his daughter his Air. No, Martin. Martin. Oh, God no, Martin. Why do they Martin. have to have such similar names? Yeah. Martin, Martin. You know, I would say that I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that, that Martin was grooming both of his children to follow in his footsteps. Well, we'll talk about just that. Just remember. We to, we'll talk about that when we get to the next episode. No, because just remember how pleased he was. Oh, absolutely. When, when, uh, when Ainsley went and killed Nicholas. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right? my girl, so. right there. Like, it's it's right there in that episode. But we'll get to that. I mean, that's a key part of the next episode, okay. so we won't get but into here, that here. Okay, but here, Jessica has gotten sucked into Martin's world. Yep. At the end. Mm-hmm. And so we'll we'll go into what happens, which is the uh, they both... Uh, she gets the phone number off the phone, and the phone number is so old that it's difficult to figure out whose it is, but... It's very close to the number from the uh, Windsor Academy, from the Windsor Academy. Right. And so, oh, my God, it must be a private line in there. And so they realize, oh, okay, this uh, 100 percent, 
this has to be connected. So they jump to the conclusion that it's the woman who runs the Academy yeah. killing the women who have failed it. But yeah. I mean, we all knew right away that it's the, the assistant. I mean, come on. She has <laughs> the doll in the yeah, hallway. Exactly. Right. It has to I be mean, the assistant. The only surprise in that, of course, is that is that she was the daughter of the headmistress. Yeah, the headmistress had a secret daughter who uh, couldn't, uh, again. And again, it goes straight to what the abuse, uh, this history of abuse creating monsters, because her mother was always horrible to her. Yeah. Right? Because she hated her for being the result of an improper affair she had with someone who was not of the right class. So she couldn't even admit she had a daughter, because if she admitted she had a daughter... Uh, out of wedlock that would make her whole program of being proper ladies right yes of creating proper ladies look like you know it was completely ineffective and she was a hypocrite so she ended up abusing her daughter and making her daughter pretend to be an orphan that she took yeah. care of it's, and it's when, horrible behavior yes and when she commits suicide boy was that a good scene <laughs> such a good scene wow <laughs> oh my yeah, like this, that the place is so old, and they established it that the place is so old that it still has gas lamps. Yeah, and so she just like so she just turns, turns them, them on off. and blows up the thing to destroy completely destroy her legacy, so no one will find out that it was all a lie. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. You know, like, and her no in the middle of those flames. <laughs> oh, it was such a good, a good it shot. Was a, no, it was a good shot. It was, it a, was a wonderful shot. I'm just yeah. going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because at its core, like, all of her thing, like, all of it was, it was a lie. It was hypocrisy. It was asking people to live up to impossible standards. And, like, it creates a situation where everyone fails. And her she abused her daughter to the point where she became the greatest devotee of this I, thing that she could never live, to, live up to. And she ended up, as the thing was failing and there were business stresses and things like that, she just decided to kill the people who were failing the system because the system is what her mother cared about more than her. So in yeah. order to get her mother's affection, she had to become the ultimate devotee of the system. Yeah. Like psychologically, it all tracks completely perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Really, really solid episode. Mm -hmm. And again, it's an episode all about setting up what's going to be going on with Ainsley for the rest of the season. Yep. So let's I get into just... what I think is going to be in the conversation for best episode of the season. I think this oh, is, I think I it's going think to be in the so. conversation at least. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know what they've got. It's the best episode of the season so far. And there's no way this isn't in the conversation at least for what ends up being the best episode of the season. You've got, you agree with me on that one, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was just yeah. So, all right. It opens up. There's been a murder. Uh, a developer one in a a little, you know, uh, honestly, in a uh, in a reference to rent. I mean, because that's what it is. A developer is trying to take down, uh, tear down this old hotel where a bunch of otters have uh, set up residence, and a guy who worked for him has been killed. Right. And so, of course, his thought is one of these horrible bohemians. They think, like, in, yeah. in case you didn't get the rent thing, he even calls them bohemians. Yeah. <laughs> like, we get it. Bohemians, Laboham rent. It's it's clear what you're doing episode. And we love it. No complaints. Zero notes. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he thinks it's one of them who's done it. And they look around and they're like, okay, well, we got to find out what's going on. 
And it turns out the hotel is, uh, like, very old history. A serial killer worked out of the area. You know, the Algonquin Round Table hung out there at one point in the past. Well, members of it anyway. Yeah. Right, so it's like, it's this big part of New York history, and that's why they don't want it turned into just another condo development by this sleazy developer. And then we get to the good stuff, which is the meat of the episode... Malcolm gets pushed down an elevator shaft. Yeah. Lands in the bottom, has a concussion. Lands and in the, the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is, is that when it first starts, yeah. you believe. Oh, when he wakes up that in the hospital? He has, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. believe that they found him and taken him to the hospital. To the hospital. Yeah. No. And that first scene plays perfectly. Yeah. Where he, uh, right, when he and Gil and Danny are in the hospital and you're like, okay, uh, you're fine. It's okay. You know, we, we found you right away. It's not a serious thing. And they do the exact thing that would happen if this was real, like demand he stay in the hospital and he would refuse to stay in the hospital because yeah. obviously he's not going to miss out on the case being solved. Yep. Right. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, uh, such a good scene. And then he goes to, you know, dinner with his family and then we get the big reveal. Martin's home. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica's whole family. His whole family, and Jessica's not an alcoholic. Ainsley is a friggin' doctor. Well, and that's the biggest reveal in the episode. Yeah. The biggest reveal in the episode is that in his subconscious, Ainsley has become the like the disciple, the the heir to her father. Yeah, that her father wanted. Yeah, exactly. The heir yeah. her father wanted. He went and became a detective, and the father. Right. And like the father got Ainsley and yeah. Ainsley became a doctor. And yeah. we all know what that's code for. Yeah. And that's the key thing in the episode that you don't even like he doesn't even notice it in the episode because he's so focused on himself and the murder he's trying to solve. And to wake up from being unconscious at the bottom of the elevator, right in the grease pit at the bottom of an elevator. Uh, he's so desperate to get up. He misses the fact that in his head, he has cast Ainsley as a surgeon. Yeah. Right. And as they say, you know, not a surgeon, the surgeon when yeah. talking about, when he's talking with insane Gil. Great, great scene with Lou Diamond Phillips too. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Who Lou Diamond Phil Phillips scene is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Wow. Right? And right. And Malcolm is in a relationship with Danny. And yeah, and that's key because he is imagining a world for himself where, where he can trust people. Where he can trust people and where he never uh, found out about his father's secret. Yeah, but that's why he can trust people. Yeah. And that's, it's like, he's in a relationship with Danny. And you're like, okay, it's obvious he has a crush on her and blah, blah, blah. And the only reason he could never make that relationship work is that he can't trust people. That's why almost all of his relationships are surface relationships, right? Because he can't yeah. trust people because of what his father did to him. And so you're like, you see him with Danny because this is a world where he can trust someone and let someone in. And it's so nice to see that. Yeah, all of it. It's so yes. nice to see an emotionally healthy version of Malcolm. And you don't actually get to see emotionally healthy Malcolm because we're seeing our Malcolm in the world of emotionally healthy Malcolm. But yeah. in the way other people react to him, we can see how he is. Like, yeah. we can see how he is. Yeah, which is just, fantastic. Yeah, just a nice guy. But he's also then trying to work out all you of this other the stuff. Solution. Yeah. 
the solution and to the they murders. Do a, by the way, they do a great reveal, which is right away. He doesn't even realize how he figured it out. Yeah. Which is there was a man sitting in a wheelchair, but his boots were scuffed up and had grease on them. Yeah. Well, if he's getting a wheelchair everywhere, why do his, are his boots scuffed up and have grease on them? Yeah. And then he remembers that a serial killer worked in the area, you know, 40 years ago. And he's like, oh, okay. Or 50 years ago. I know what's going on here. And it's Mark Margolis. Who, I lo- you know, it's so wonderful seeing him every time I see him. Every time. I mean, people now, I mean, we, we loved him from the Equalizer back in the day. Yeah. By the way, hey, new Equalizer with uh, Queen Latifah, Queen... which is really good. It's yeah. really good. I was going to mention that to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, really good show. Very fun. Queen Latifah is amazing as always. But yeah, uh, Mark uh, Margolis was one of the three stars of the original Equalizer. Equalizer was, and... Uh, yeah, because it was uh, Edward Woodward and Keith Ciarbiaca and uh, Mark Margolis. Mark Margolis. Like, it's the funny thing is, is I was really going are they going to be able to do a really good updated version of that and and yeah it's off to a great start it's that's that's a conversation we'll have maybe we'll do an episode about the whole season of the equalizer when we've all seen it yeah uh but anyway um and of course people most know him now as hector salamanca on breaking bad and better yeah yeah Yeah. that's what people best know him now but he's he's fantastic (laughs) no mark margolis is amazing and the, when we get to the end of the episode and the covered in grease holding a skull, Malcolm walks yeah. into his apartment. And he's like, time to go. And just that acting choice of him not deny, not do anything, just like the weight of it hitting him. Yeah. And he's like, well, no more running, no more lying. Okay, here, I'll stand up. You can walk me out of here. Yeah. I didn't wow. Want, I didn't want my daughter to ever find out about this part of me, but yeah. it's done. And I'm going to, yeah. Because he knows there's so much evidence of his murders in the building that when they were renovating it, there was no chance they weren't going to find something. Yeah. But yeah, like the the mystery plot of the episode is fun, right? But the the alternate dimension part is, oh my God. Yeah. So much more fun. It does make make Malcolm finally. Yeah. Right. Address the fact that you can't cover everything up um he does seem to understand what his dream world was telling him yep you know and huh and then he gets home and ainsley's there and he decides to tell her the truth yep and the problem is ainsley has stabbed somebody she has blacked out again and somebody got we didn't even mention by the way that when he was, and we forgot to mention that it's the previous episode when he was having the showdown with the killer, Ainsley didn't actually get drugged. She was no. just pretending to be drugged to try and figure out what the killer was up to. And she almost slashed the killer's throat again. Yeah. And Malcolm had to stop. I get, we, it's, we were so excited to talk about the like, <laughs> we forgot stuff. about that. Yeah. We actually forgot that she almost slashed someone's throat again. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that, that, and the fact is, that that became like the muscle memory reaction that she wants to do, that she thinks and, or instinctively decides to do when yeah. someone is threatening and turned away from her. It's like, oh, I'll just slash her throat and stab her again because that's just a logical thing to do. Yeah, it's, and I'm it's like, yeah, Oof. yeah. We and forgot now, to we forgot to talk about that. But yeah, wow. because she failed, right? She failed. Yeah, no, no, she didn't actually get to do it, and the killer, in fact, never even knew that she was about to be attacked by Ainsley. Yeah. 
Yeah. She, uh, so it's, but here, maybe she's killed somebody. We don't know yet, but. Have to assume. Oh boy, can I not wait for that next episode. <laughs> oh yeah. What the hell is Malcolm going to do now? I don't know. And the next episode is called Face Value. There's Ooh. no, there's no, I don't no have to worry. Yet. There's no, no description. Yet. No. Oh. I, I wouldn't look at it even if there was. <sighs> No. I don't want to know. No, me but neither. it's we're gonna have to wait till March second. <laughs> oh God, they're taking a they're taking a week off. Ugh! All right, and that means that means a full month before we get to talk about this stuff. Oh yeah, hopefully they'll do eight Ugh. and nine right away. <laughs> right. Oh no, I'm sure. I'm sure they're just taking one week <laughs> off. He said, basing that on nothing, basing that on just yeah. idle hope. This is Fox, after all. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh. No, Unreal. This, I mean, the end no. of this episode, you just went, Whoa. we all look just like Malcolm look. Yeah. Just like, I can't believe they're going there. And again, this is what I'm talking about with not being afraid of the story they set up because yeah. they're going there that fast. Yep. They are like off to the races. They are just charging forward on this thing. And I am and so happy. Magnificent. I am Please. so happy they did. Because I would have been so pissed off otherwise. And it's yeah. so nice to see. If they had tried to, in some way, take it back or undo the stuff they had committed to at the end of the last season. Yeah. yeah. It would have been so disappointing because it was such a promising sec the first season. And the second season is off to one hell and it, of a it ride. Is, well, and it is consistently better. Well, okay. I'll say the one thing that disappointed me. Can I just do that? I didn't want to yes. talk about it in the episode because I enjoyed episode five so much. Yep. I'll say the one thing that disappointed me, which is they uh, they wrap up the JT and the racist cop situation by having him not complain, not file the complaint. Yeah, well, I'm sure that that is going to... Well, we'll see how it plays later because he gives this speech about like not wanting to get wrapped up in like hate and not wanting to get wrapped up in, like, making his whole life about this fight, like, with him versus racism. And it's like, that's all a good thing. Yeah. But it's like, aren't you doing it to save your career, though? Well, I think that that's there, too, because he said it would get tied up in yeah, for months, forever. too. Yes. And, but I think, okay. But um, we'll see how that how that works. Right. No, but my, my problem. No, we'll see how it works. They have a chance to fix this. But my problem with that scene is it suggests that violent racist cops are just a problem of that cop's mind. Like, because uh, the thing is, violent racist cops aren't that way because that cop is a violent racist. It's because it is a system designed to yeah, violently but... oppress a race. OK, but the point is, is that he is in the system. I know. And that's the problem. He is in the system. And if they and if they and he go wants there, to stay in the system. That is so. the point. That, yes, that is the point I'm getting at. Thank you for saying it. No, what I if they actually address the fact that like the whole it, later they address that the whole system is the problem and his desire to stay in the system is going to end up eating away at him because he's been touched by how awful it is. Yes. Okay, I will. I will love them and respect them for doing that. But right now, you see why I would have, be a little worried that they're going to be like that. The way that the show is going to go now is they're going to say, "Well, JT had a moral victory over the racist. Now we're going to stop talking about this." Let me put it this way: 
They haven't failed us yet. That's true. No, that's true. They haven't failed us yet. But the way it played, I'm worried that's what's going to happen. You're right that I have no reason to suspect that that's definitely the way it's going to happen. But that is why I'm concerned. We'll see what happens. Obviously, not only am I willing to be wrong, I would be ecstatic to be wrong about this. Well, yeah, because you have to understand that Malcolm is also, this bothers Malcolm. Of course it does. Yes. And you see that in the scenes. Yeah. And so it is going to be interesting to watch this. I mean, we haven't even talked about the scene where Jessica and Martin call in the children, call in Malcolm to have the family meeting. Oh, I know. Oh. At the beginning. And I'm just like, you know, yes, we do have to tell Ainsley, mm-hmm. you know, and as, and as he says afterwards, he said he felt like he was a six-year-old being pulled in on the <laughs> carpet. Right. I know. Oh, such a good Do thing. you never grow out of that? No, apparently not. Yeah. No, but such a good scene. Uh, honestly, like the show is so fantastic, mm-hmm. right? It really is. Uh, wow. Okay, so we're excited for next week. We're not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to make any predictions. Do you want to make a prediction? Oh, frig no. <laughs> okay. So we'll be back here. We'll be back here next week with the next three episodes. Uh, although at some point, if they do a full, um, I just realized that it's like next year, we're just going to have to do episode by episode breakdowns, like short 30 minute episodes where we talk about last night's episode because we will be caught up with the show. Like, right now, we're pre-recording because we wanted to do it after season 13. But there's not going to be any new episodes of Profiling Criminal Minds about Criminal Minds by the time we're not watching next season of Prodigal Son. So we're just going to be obligated to just weekly cover Prodigal Son, assuming there's a third season. Which, why would they not do a third season? Come on. <laughs> It'd be crazy not to do a third season of the show. Uh, but that's not the um, the big news. The big news we've probably already talked about on a Sunday episode by the time you're hearing this. But because we just found out about it today, we have to talk about it today because I'm breaking the news to Sheila right now that Paramount Plus wants to bring back Criminal Minds. <laughs> yep. They want to bring back Criminal Minds. And there has been no news about whether it's, like, a reboot, new cast, whether they want to bring cast back, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no information, but it just got announced on Friday that they are actively developing a new Criminal Minds for the Paramount Plus streaming service. (sighs) Where did you you see this? Deadline. Deadline, yep. On I, like that, I like that her first reaction is to Google it to make sure I'm not lying to her. No, I just on deadline. Well, where else would it be breaking? I know. I know. Yeah. So are we going to get Dr. Reed? Uh, you don't know this, but we just recorded our podcast about uh, Spencer Reed last week. Uh and so when we were talking about what would we want about a Criminal Minds spinoff, and we just kept talked for like five minutes about what the TV show Dr. Reed would be like. <laughs> yep. After all that, after all our trying to figure out what it was, after all of that, we might be getting more Criminal Minds. <laughs> Which, by the way, is certainly going to factor into a conversation that we're not allowed to... T- 
there's, uh, I, I, I'm sure there's something you're dying to say and I'm dying to say, but we're not allowed to talk about it here on the show because of confidentiality arrangements. But, um, certainly explains, I, I, certainly, certainly explains something, doesn't it? I am sitting here in a state of shock. Yeah. Complete and total shock. I am going, are you out of your friggin' minds? Yeah, and hopefully someday we can tell that story. (laughs) Criminal Minds Revival in Early Development at It might not happen. Like, we don't know that it's going to happen. But obviously, what happened was, Paramount Plus wants to make a go of it as a a streaming service, like, the same way uh, Disney did. And so Paramount looked at, okay, of all the shows we own, what is the most popular in streaming and syndication? Like, what is a brand that we can launch this service with that everybody loves? And as we've talked about on Profiling Criminal Minds time and again, the most popular shows on CBS are, uh, what do you call it? NCIS. And then Criminal Minds. And NCIS is already on television, so... You know, unless you're going to do a fifth NC, I don't know, a fourth NCIS just for, uh, what do you call it, just for streaming, it would be a weird thing. But the key about Criminal Minds, and the reason that Criminal Minds is such a good choice, not only is it a huge show, but this is something that they don't talk about as much, because, you know, they don't like talk about how much money they're making, because it would freak us out. But Criminal Minds is more popular than... Um, NCIS overseas. Like, NCIS is more popular in America than Criminal Minds is, although Criminal Minds was always popular. But Criminal Minds sells better around the world. Well, let me... It makes um, absolute perfect sense that they would want to launch Paramount Plus Plus with a new Criminal Minds. Like, it's just, it's logical. I'm looking at these comments. Great news, show should never have been cancelled. Bring back the regulars, including Gibson. (laughs) Well, of course we want Thomas Gibson back. <laughs> Figure it out. Send him to therapy. Just get him back. But actually, do you uh, know I my hope co- they bring back. Hush. Do you know my cons? Oh well, obviously we hope they bring. <laughs> but do you know what? I mean, there is one thing, and I don't want to be too cynical about this. But honestly, it's possible that Paramount always planned to do this. Yeah. And the reason they canceled it at season 15 is once a show has been on the air for 15 years, everybody's getting paid too much money. Yeah. And so they wanted to cancel Criminal Minds, then bring it back two years later on streaming so that they could pay everybody less money because it's technically a new show. So I'm not saying that's why they did it. I'm saying the conspiracy. I know I do know how streaming contracts work versus broadcast contracts work. Yeah. And let's just say the people making shows for streaming make a hell of a lot less money than the people making shows for broadcast television. And it wouldn't, and again, I don't know anything. I'm not involved in any of this, but I know how those contracts work because I've been in both of those kinds of contracts. And spoiler alert, TV, these companies would much rather be paying streaming money to people rather than broadcast money to people. I just, all I can see is this horrible future. (laughs) Of never-ending our criminal, criminal mind minds podcast. You know, by the way, we have we have listeners who enjoy this. 
And so you saying that it would be torture to have to provide content for our listeners indefinitely cannot cannot feel great for everyone. I don't want to speak for them. I'm not one of our fans. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I don't. I'm just, I, saying, I'm just saying be nice. You might no, be no. obligated to talk about Criminal Minds for eight more years. Well into your 80s. well we are a long-lived group of people exactly right so let's keep that in mind (laughs) let's keep that in mind right i'm (laughs) sitting here going oh my if this continues on and we'll have to cover it depending on what they do with the cast of obviously depending on what they do uh, well, I don't even know. Even it doesn't matter, except that I'm looking. I was looking. There are 27 comments. I don't know whether yeah. I'll add a comment. Oh, you have um, to come on. Yeah. Just yeah. say no. Actually, go and add a comment. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah. anyway, you were going to say. No. Oh, God only knows. I love. I love. I know my fans. Our our fans love it. Uh, the ones that watch it consistently and continuously. Mm-hmm. and um, I do not want to denigrate them, but they already know my opinion. Our feelings about Criminal Minds are not a secret. No, and we slogged all the way through to the very last. And yeah, No um, matter how bad it got, we were always there. And, and as long as they do not hire the former showrunner... To run it, it has a chance of being good. It has a chance of being good, and as long as they don't... As long as they get someone... To, to run be the director of photography who actually well okay uh, okay well now we're getting into never mind no no what i was trying to, no 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 we're not and that doesn't you know that doesn't bring about this controversy and yes there are yeah. more people than us that would like to see thomas gibson back and so oh, i think said, most people would like thomas gibson back yeah you know it's it's hotch somebody said hotch has more more fans than elvis <laughs> It feels that way sometimes. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's our favorite character. He's not the most interesting character. That's Spencer Reed, but he's our yeah. favorite character. Yeah. And, you know, but, and people, you know, <laughs> and somebody, you know, so what happens? Um, I know. Hey, hey, you know what? We're going to take some time to think about this. And ironically, you're already going to have heard about our uh, feelings about this in a Sunday show before you hear this one. It's very convoluted the way we record these things, but thank you so much. We're going to wrap this up here. Uh, we will see you back here next week for episodes seven through nine of Pro, uh, Prodigal Sun season two. If you have any questions for us, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out on the show, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds@gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we will see you back here next week, but until then, I'm going to say, as always, thanks for listening and au revoir. And I'll be over my shock by next week. Hopefully. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.